to another episode, Moms in Academia. I'm Nancy Rodriguez. And I'm Sarah Frost. And today's episode, we'll be diving into the importance of having and having support systems. So Sarah, like what type of community or support systems do you feel that helps kind of moms thrive in like a PhD program? That's a great question. Uh, I think for me, I can't, I don't, I feel like I can't, everybody's individual experience is so different, but I would say for me, what was most helpful was uh, finding kind of a network of friends. Um, so, and I had, you know, I had my cohort, I had people um, outside of my cohort from, you know, years before years after. Yeah. Um, and then I had uh, within my cohort, I had like different groups of people. So I had other moms. I had other millennials, right? Because that's kind of a different lifestyle. And then other people working um, in the same field, right? Because okay. that's because we were cross disciplinary. Um, and then I had I built connections with faculty members. Um, and then you know, obviously, had my you know life outside happens outside of a PhD program too. And so I had you know my family and my husband. And I think really having very strong connections with people um, was essential for, you know, my ability to, to get through. Um, but, you know, I, I think also kind of um, learning about my own boundaries and like what I needed to give everyone um, was also helpful. What, what about you? What do you think is helpful for you as a mom or for other moms? You know what? I really love that, like what you were just talking about, right? That there's people that you need to get from them, but also there's like a relationship where you also have to give them like energy and love because or else that's just like a one-weighted relationship. And I think right now during this progress, right, as like I'm in this journey, I think I'm still learning what support systems I need or don't need, or I'm like experimenting, like what feels good, what doesn't, or like how much, how much time and space do I give that? Um, it's been very, it's been a learning curve because when I think about my master's, I had the support systems like in place. Like I knew I had, I had friends that filled me like socially. And then I also had people that were just in academia. They were either getting their um, doctoral degrees or their master's degrees. And it was just really helpful. Just their, like um, the cultural aspect that I was part of, um, if I can remember the name, right. It was like the, the professional Latino, I can't remember, but it was really, it was a great organization. It really helped me just have that, that cultural component that we were all these Latinos just getting higher education. And it was just a a really safe space for me. But now as I transition to my doctoral degree, it's been a little bit more tricky. And I think just having another identity of being a mom has made it trickier. I will say that like Facebook's group mom, like the the doctoral mom where we met, that has just been so supportive in the sense that I think I've like made a few comments of like, how do I like um, 
I, I found an accountability p- partner at one time. I haven't, <laughs> I still haven't. I met with them one time. It was a real, or actually twice. It was a really great experience. And then we kind of fell down the cracks uh, recently. So we're still, I need to pick it up again. Um, yeah. I definitely, I think being remote from my education has made it challenging in receiving like like being with like my cohort like we would technically all be like right now in either starting thinking about our dissertations writing our dissertations and I really I think the distance has made it more challenging and I think my responsibilities has also shifted that that kind of culture with them and so now yeah so I'm exploring and I'm exploring like also like being a mom and not attaching so much my scholarly identity and learning how to like be friends with other moms. And that's, that's really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like, it's definitely something interesting to navigate because you do have these multiple identities, right? You have your scholar identity, you have your, your scholar mom identity, which I think is a different hat. And then you have your like mom identity and people that aren't in, you know, in kind of higher education programs um they don't some you know some people get it but a lot of people just aren't like like they don't understand the drive they don't understand the um you know the need to do it I used to have to explain to people because it'd be like why do you have so many degrees because I I collect higher ed degrees like Pokemon and I I explain it in this way some people run marathons I go to school Right. That's my hobby. I enjoy it. I love learning. I love, I love learning it. with a passion that like I could, I, I mean, I've, I've done Tough Mudders and I've done running races and stuff, but like, it's not, it doesn't fill me in the same way of like filling my brain with, with new information. Um, but yeah, trying to navigate all of that uh, can be really tricky. And then trying to nurture those relationships with those different groups, right? Because like your mom friends that aren't in PhD programs don't really understand why you can't like hang out every Friday and like go, you know, you know, just go out with them. And yeah. you're like, I have to write a paper again. So it's, it's hard to navigate. And then, you know, you're, if I'm right, your husband is also in a, a PhD program. Yeah. Mine so he's not. Yeah. So, so, so that has been so like, that is very supporting having yeah. a marriage and where we both understand academically and professionally where we're at, right? We share the same profession. We're both um, uh, psychologists or he, he's actually done like he, at, at least he's like, he, he's already done. So he's doctor, Dr. Atilano. Um, I'm still like, congratulations, um, doctor. yeah, yeah. Right. I have a doctor in the house. So like I'm in the process of becoming a doctor. Right. <laughs> and so in that sense, I think it's really nice that he can like guide me through this. And like when things kind of get overwhelming, he's just like, it's okay. You got this. So in that sense, it's very supportive yeah. in the challenging part. I think it's like, we're also like, not competing that's not competing but it's also like we have a little one and we're just trying to figure out like working from home and distributing house responsibilities and taking care of our our child together but also like having times time for us to do our things professionally and i think that can be that 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 has been challenging um Mm -hmm. and so i think we're just it's just 
I can say this has been a very, a really like, this is why it's such a very interesting topic for me to like, like mm-hmm. a talk about just because this is something that's continuously developing. Sometimes mm-hmm. like my mom is my biggest cheerleader. And I think recently, I think she's just been learning like how challenging this um, journey has been. She'll like ask me like these very deep questions of like, well, how has it been like for you to be a first generation college student? I'm like, Wow, what a deep conversation right before I'm going to the gym. <laughs> right before. Yeah. Um, but I think she just like values, she like always reminds me like my my roots and like why I'm doing this. And so that's been that's very good. supportive. But at the same time, it brings pressure because I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna be the first one in my family to do this advanced degree. And then then I feel like, have you seen Encanto? I have uh, multiple um, times. I, I also have a child, you know, I'm also a young child. So it's such I a can, beautiful movie. It is, right? I feel like I'm Luisa, like I'm caring. Yeah. And there's just oh, been yeah. like, like I, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but like Luisa has had all these like um, posts made about her, about like either being like they can resonate with her of being a first generation college student or being the first person. Um, in our like if you're like the firstborn how you're like learning how to navigate different things and so I really resonate with her I'm like yes there's always all these like heavier pressures Mm -hmm. and then but like you have to kind of they're just like very internal like no one really sees like how much you're juggling Um, right and I think that's why we need the support we need like as much as and I think this is very crucial because I don't think or at least my experience has been women really don't like to say help me I need help that's so true Right. That's so true. Uh, I remember when I first had Neeks and um, people were like, oh, do you need anything? Do you need anything? I was like, I got this. I got this. And like silently, I was like dying inside because I just like, I really needed someone to just like hold her for an hour so I could nap. And I could not say yes. I was like, no, I got this. Like, die, like not enough sleep, just like physically not doing great. And like... And, and I'm not alone in that. I know women consistently do that. They're like, no, I'm fine. I got this. I can handle this. You know, we want to be the Louises of the world where we're just taking on so much because we don't want anyone, we don't want to disappoint anyone. Um, so I wasn't a first generation college student or a firstborn. I was actually, I was the baby of the family, but also I'm a, I'm like an achiever. So I'm, I want to be successful. I want to make other people happy and like, uh, you know, to my own detriment. So I also resonated with, with that song, but, um, and, and that kind of storyline, but yeah, it's so hard to ask for help as, as women. And I think it's important to be able to say, yeah, this isn't a thing that there's parts of this that you have to do alone. Nobody's going to like analyze your data for you, but there's also, you know, it's okay to ask for help and like, you know, connect with other people or at the very least just talk about how like, challenging it is or how exciting it is. So I, um, one of the things that I did kind of towards the end was um, my, you know, one of my friends suggested it, but we meet once a week on Tuesdays and we just like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing over the week. Um, and we talk about different things. Maybe we talk about our, our dissertation chair. Or maybe we talk about like, you know, a challenge in, in data collection or, Aww. Or what have you. And I think um, having that sense of community is really helpful. There's there's some research about women circles and this, uh-huh. my group is all women. Um, and that like supportive 
community of us cheering each other on. We have like a little text group that we're like, you can do it. We send, you know, we share funny memes and um, just tell people, Hey, you know, I'm having a hard day and everyone celebrates them. It's like, it's okay. Take a break. Feel good. Like, you know, how can we help? And just kind of being that community for other people and accepting that community for yourself is, is so important. Um, yeah, you talk about these these two pieces, right? Being vulnerable and actually like telling someone, like, hey, like sharing your truth, right? Sharing the like the challenging parts and also celebrating like the goodness and and celebrating like when it is challenging because it's it's hard, right? It's having but it's still having that space, um, but also giving it out to people. I think I think relationships it's a give and take, right? It's not always mm-hmm. just like one way. And so I think that's really yeah. beautiful that that you have that community. I think mm-hmm. I'm still learning how to be part of that community. I know I have my, like my girl, Leslie, she like me and her have been at it. Like, like since I started, so that's been, she's been like such a big rock in my academic circle, like especially at UGA. Um, I know my friend, Cindy, she's, I met her in undergrad and like, I love that. She just like periodically just checks up on me, but also I sometimes also need someone to, um, to take me out of like the academic world, because I think sometimes we can get so ingrained and it's part of our identity, but then we forget that there's like a world outside of us that there is like snowboarding and there's like fun cooking shows. And so, so, so I think when it comes to like building a good uh, support system, what like there's different, each person plays a different role in Mm -hmm. in that in those different identities that we hold um and so what does that look like for you um sarah the i mean i i definitely have my different groups right i have my community of um my tuesday community right and then i have um other people and relationships within my cohort and then i have my friends that i knew before or after or whatever Uh, but with it with no relation to um, my program and i you know i think it's definitely important to have um those different groups like you were saying and like you know my friends who are not in academia are the ones that are probably more likely to be like hey let's go uh let's go out to dinner let's uh let's watch a movie together let's play board games um I'm i'm a little bit of a nerd which i will own uh excitedly (laughs) Uh, and so like you know having a game night even though I'm like Mm -hmm. oh I have this paper due but sometimes you just have to kind of take that moment for yourself because it's it's you know you're a whole person you're not just Mm -hmm. one component you have all those different hats and so you have to figure out how to give time and space for each of those and that looks it looks so different for each individual Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of have to figure out, I think once you figure out for yourself what that looks like, it can be a game changer. You know, for me, it was like, all right, I'm going to have my Tuesday meetings. I'm going to email my chair every week that I, what mm-hmm. I've done, what I'm going to do um, and kind of like own when I, you know, didn't meet my goals from the week before. Yeah. And then and then I'm going to I was I committed to 15 minutes a day. I think I talked about this before, but like I'm. Uh, like that is my, my one recommendation for anyone is like, you can find 15 minutes within your day, every day, 15 minutes. That's it. Some days you're going to obviously have to do more than 15 minutes because Uh you'll never finish. But like just that little progress every time really can help. And I think, you know, 
when I figured that out, my friends were supportive of that. And they'd ask me like, have you done your 15 minutes? And having, again, having those relationships where you're sharing, you're being vulnerable, you know, finding it in yourself to, to ask for help is, is hard. But once you do it, you know, it gets easier and it gets easier to move forward. What about for you? What is, what does that look like for you? I think it's involving, right? I think it's definitely making change. I've had to make some changes. I think I'm learning how to cultivate relationships with my different identities. I think I've always stuck with my family and I'm like, okay, my family cannot serve my whole support system. I was like, I need to grow. Um, I know my friends have like either back from back from home from Milwaukee has been really rejuvenating and along the fronts, like the friends that I've like um, along my like academic journey that I've made along the way, those have been very supportive. Um, I think now I'm kind of like shifting or not shifting, but since I'm, I think we're settling roots here in Connecticut that has like also given me permission to really feel that I'm going to be here for a while. So I need to start cultivating deeper relationships. And I think that's really dry is driving me to like make those a little bit more deeper than like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Like more like superficial kind of thing. So I think that's what I'm kind of working towards and especially, um, Finding, I think I've, it's it's so hard, I think, right now, like, because it's evolving, because I'm trying to set roots here in Connecticut, but I know I'm going back to Georgia in the fall. So that's really exciting that I get to, like, foster some of those academic relationships and friendships and support while I'm down there, especially while I'm, like, really doing more heavy work on my dissertation. So we'll see. We'll see. I think it's, yeah. it's definitely, I, I will say also, like... I'm such a gym person. I think I always say this something about the gym. And I think that's all like, it brings me back to like uh, an identity of me that I've always had, which is like be, be very competitive, like sport, sport wise. And so I think that kind of just, um, it reminds me of like, you know, kind of bringing that competitiveness, but in a very healthy way mm-hmm. at the gym, you know, or just like, I think that like our support systems just look will look different as we all different need have different areas um, as we're progressing in our journey and like the demands of our career um, as well as like, you know, having kids and like having a marriage, like not everyone has different lives. And I think as like your prop, I only have one toddler, so I can't, I can only imagine as you're getting more children, you might, I think support system might look different. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I hope, I hope maybe um, we somehow like acquire another adult. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and hopefully my, my, uh, my toddler will, will become part of my support system, right? Right now I am, I am her support. We are her support system, but like, I think eventually your children, right? I'm, I'm a support system for my mom and I'm sure you are for yours, um, where, you know, that kind of those relationships grow over time in a different way. Um, and you kind of start to see people differently and you can kind of, you know, these things evolve. And I think that's beautiful and wonderful. And, and sometimes you have people in your systems that you realize aren't so great. They're kind of toxic and they kind of make you feel gross and, or whatever, or, (laughs) and I think being, um, open to accepting that sometimes relationships change and that's okay. And sometimes we have to let go of, of some, you know, relationships that were once really beautiful and are not anymore. Um, But, but really kind of always taking stock in our life and like, 
paying attention to those relationships and nurturing them. So in my dissertation, I talked about um, empowered connection, which is kind of um, collaborative um, engagement with other people where you kind of feel safe and confident and confident. So it's that it's both a sense of connection and a way to support each other. And I think those kinds of relationships are the strongest kinds of relationships we can have. I definitely have people in my life where I like them. They're great. But like, I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't say like, oh, we have an empowered connection be like, oh, they're really cool and funny and whatever. But like, (laughs) I don't feel like I'm, you know, growing more confident and competent and better at something through that relationship. And I think those kinds of relationships are okay, but those empowered connections that we have are so important to our, to kind of fueling our support system and making us feel like we can really just uh, grow in the way that we need to, especially during a a doctoral journey where you, you do grow a lot, right? You, you know, you probably walked in, I don't know about you. I walked in my first day going, I tricked them. I don't know how I did it, but I tricked them. I made them think I was smart enough to be here, but I am looking at the individuals in this room and I am not smart enough to be here. And then by the end of it, I was like, all right, I'm not the smartest person in my cohort. That's for sure. But I'm also not the dumbest person. Okay. Okay. Like, like I belong here, right? I was, Mm -hmm. I am smart enough. I am strong enough. I am like persistent enough to, to do this thing. And I think, um, you know, being able to go from, I, I have fooled everyone to, I belong here is Mm -hmm. because I had built those like empowered connections along the way that made me feel more confident and confident about my abilities to kind of pursue a PhD. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is definitely, I think it's the devil in our academia. Like, honestly, it is is just, uh, it is hard. It's like, it's a, it's definitely a narrative. People really like have a hard time and have to constantly change uh, or challenge that, that idea. Um, But no, before you were saying that empowerment, I was like, I started thinking, I was like, I need to, and it's just started reevaluating my relationships. (laughs) I think that's really great. Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. There's a really good trick that I learned from uh, my work with the Life is Good Playmakers is um, you should take stock of the individuals in your life. Right. And you write like all of your really like people that you're like really strong. Right. And then like people that you can um, that depend on you and people that you can depend on and the people that you feel like mutually like mutual respect for I have to look at this. Um, but there's a, there's a relate, like there's a, there's kind of a strategy that you can use okay. to really take stock of the relationship. I mean, it's not to say like these, you know, you kind of narrow it down from like 10 mm-hmm. people to like three people. Right. Okay. And so it's not to say that those 10 people at the beginning of this list are um, not worth your time. It's just that those three people are the ones that you really want to make sure you're consistently nurturing. Right. I mean, I know like I I love my husband dearly, but you know, there were times in my PhD program where I I was not doing a great job of nurturing our relationship. And so it was really strange because, and this happens to a lot of people in PhD programs, but like, the importance of identifying those people that are close to you, those people that are going to make you feel confident, competent, strong, um, 
are the ones that you also need to make sure you're helping them feel that way too. Um, And so making sure you kind of like, you know, who those people are, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you'll look at that list and you'll go, you know what? This is like, I, I, I always knew this person was important to me, but I like, wasn't really paying attention how important they were. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to like, just take the time to like, kind of reflect and see like, who is part of our circles and what do we need? I think I I bought this planner and I really like, I really like it because it's like a circle and it's divided into, I don't know how many areas, but it has like 10 levels. And then you're supposed to like, say like, like your friendships, like how, like, um, like how satisfied are you? And it's on a monthly basis. And I love that. Like, I love that. Like I can just like, like look at my circle and I'm like, well, what do I need to like get that like 10 level in each space? Like, I think one of my spaces was like a spiritual and I'm like, Oh, I haven't done yoga. And I needed that because I need that to feel like spiritually connected and that was a three. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to start doing some more. Have I made changes? No, but it was just like nice to look and say and see where I need to probably start, um, where, what areas in my life I need to start like growing and, and putting a little bit more time. Um, and so like, I think for like, since you completed your doctoral program, like how can like either doctoral programs, advisors, faculty, um, families, like help the, the individual, right? Our moms here, um, what are ways that they can do to support moms? How can, oh man, I think, you know, one thing is like, just continuing to be aware that like there are different people that walk through the doors and I think programs could do. So one of the things that my program did um, the first year that like, Oh yeah, we, we, we see people have accountability buddies and that seems to be really successful. And by the time I was like ready to graduate, that kind of communication about accountability buddies became so much louder. Oh, wow. Um, You know, like they were starting to be like, all right, not trying to assign them per se, but just like, you really need an accountability buddy. Cause yeah. they're, I think they're finding like people that have these buddies are just more successful because they have someone to kind of hold them accountable. Yeah. So, so doctoral programs looking at the things that they're doing to kind of support their community within, mm-hmm. um, can be really helpful. And, um, I mean, the other thing that my, program did was they, you know, they had, they talked about accountability buddies, but they also, we had ProSim. So we met um, with our ProSim really regularly throughout the year. And then we had our in uh, intensive residencies uh, like three to four times a year. Um, and so those, those ProSim in ProSim, that's our whole cohort is in a ProSim. And then we got split up within that cohort into like four different groups. Okay. And so at the, the start of every year, they would be like, all right, this is your group. This is your prosim group. You're going to have discussions among this group every week. And you're going to, um, you know, we want you to set ground rules within the group and expectations. And I think that kind of regular practice of like, it is okay to like make a small group of scholars to have, you know, um, discussions, to make set ground rules and to meet regularly to talk about their studies. I think that practice really made it easier for me as I was kind of closing out my, my journey to 
to create a group on my own, right? Because once you're through residency, those pro sim groups go away and you're kind of left on your your own, right? So so being like, oh, you know what? I can I can make my own pro sim group. I can make my own group of scholars and we can have this regular touch point. I think um I think that was one of the the really nice things that um Antioch, the program I went to, did did really well for us. Um but you know just that continued understanding of like students need support they need respect and they need to kind of um they need a little bit of guidance right you're still you're still learning you're still growing and and I I feel like I didn't learn you know I I'd been through several master's programs before I got to my PhD program and I didn't really figure out how to be a a good student till like the very end (laughs) and so so teaching us like continuing yeah. to teach us skills and so not expecting that we just have it in us. Yeah. I think can be really helpful too. No, that's, that's what about you. What do you think? I feel like I think, I think the university as a whole needs to do a, more for moms. Right. I think also like giving them like an, a window where they feel protected to take maternity leave without, you know, any retribution or any like negative consequences. This wasn't my sort like part of the story, but I can see maybe for other um, moms out there. Um, but I think it's just a really hard balance of like becoming a mom and then have school. Like I know at least my, my program financially helps me, right. They give me an assistantship. Um, does it, do I feel like, I, I feel like I'm barely making it right. Can I yeah. use a little bit more money? Yes, of course. We can always use a little bit more money to splurge. Yeah. Uh, but I think like, it's just, and yeah, I, I don't really know. I think there's, I can't answer this question. It's just so hard. It's okay. It's so hard. No, I, think, I can't. <laughs> it's well, definitely I think you're hard. right. Like, like uh, I'm thinking about back to when I was, um, I was expecting and like, I think not because we were only kind of together at um, at like a couple of times a year. So you know, we were mostly were virtual. So when we were in person, everybody was like, "Oh, you're pregnant!" Like, so so many of my faculty didn't know because they had no no need to know, right? Uh-huh. And so no one was kind of guiding me like, "Oh, you should take maternity leave." I had one faculty member that's like, "You should." really consider going on maternity leave like take it's okay to like take a break but I know in other programs they're like hey you can take a break but it's going to take you an extra year you're going to have to catch up or whatever or or they might even say well we don't have space for you in the other the other cohort so you take a break you're gonna have to reapply or whatever so it just really depends on the program I mean Antioch was a very uh liberal and lovely and uh, wonderful. So I, I could have absolutely taken a break and they would have been okay. But for me, I was like, if I take a break, I've never come back to this. So I just was like, ah, no, I will pay and I will try to work and it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, I think, I think giving more guidance and support, especially for like expecting moms and, and parents would be, uh, and, and mom, you know, new moms would be really helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I think but it's I, just, I don't even know what that looks like. Yeah, I, I'm like really thinking besides childcare, because I think that's just very like a very yeah. basic problem everyone face faces if they don't have like any like family members that are friends that are helping. I feel like childcare yeah. is like definitely one of the primary concerns moms tend to have like, oh, like kind of going into the doctoral program. But besides that, it's kind of hard. I mean, like I, my professors are really nice and like being flexible with like um, either assignments or papers or projects. I know one time I literally, well, this was during still when the pandemic was a little bit like um, up there. Um, I, I had my baby and I was presenting with him. And they were, and my professor was just like, that's so cool. You brought your, your baby. And like, they, I think that's so needed in yeah. academia for moms. And I think that's one thing that I, I want to highlight is that like, at least in my program, they like, I brought my baby everywhere, <laughs> like yeah. to all the classes I brought him. And if I had a nurse, like I would just like turn off my screen and I would just nurse him and then I would c- come back up. And I think having that space and, and being able to like still really be with my cohort and fill my class requirements, I think that was really helpful. And I think things like that and, and where, um, spaces um, make it accessible for moms to bring their children because Mm -hmm. recently I remember seeing UGA having like a policy or I don't it probably wasn't UGA I can't remember I think I just remember seeing this article where a university was like not prohibiting but like making it aware yeah okay this was a Facebook post then I don't but just making it I think if we're talking about the same way where it was like yeah moms can't yeah. it's like ill like ill advised to bring your child yeah. to work I was and like, it's just, oh. uh, well and then you know I don't I'm sure you've seen this the Facebook posts or the like videos of uh, a young mom or young parent going to school um in class and that like professor is like holding the baby yeah like, you know, carrying yeah. the toddler whatever and um you know that's both like I love that. I think it's wonderful that these professors are accepting it. And then also like, there's probably a bigger discussion about maybe there should be childcare available at public universities to help parents. Right. And, and like childcare might be, be better, you know, if it was more affordable and more accessible, I think that would be better for us as a society. And I think that is a a different topic for a different podcast, but like, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, that's so wonderful that those professors are doing that. And like, thank goodness, right. My mom used to bring my brother to her, her college classes (laughs) and he was, you know, a little riot in the, you know, but, but they, they let her do it. And it's like Mm. so wonderful that they let her do it. And wouldn't it be just great if universities had the ability or to just have a, okay, so here's the childcare facility. You sign up for a spot, you can have um, a spot and this is included in your tuition. So it's not even a a thing you have to pay That would be great. Or it's like, okay, you have to pay $10 or whatever. So Make it it accessible. Like, I think that's the hard part is like, it's not accessible. It's so ridiculous. Like these things. It's not available right now. Like daycare, yeah. especially after the pandemic, it's so hard to find yeah. daycare. I am terrified to like ask my daycare because I'm like, oh no, what if they tell me I don't have a spot? No, that's because you know, that's because we yeah. have the the new baby coming, and I'm like, ah. 
That that is definitely a challenge. And you know what I was thinking about, Sarah? That sometimes daycare only opens from eight to five. I have to figure out what time my class is going to come up in the in the fall time. God forbid it's past right. five because then what am I supposed now? Yeah, well, now I don't know what I my my kid needs entertainment. He needs like to run. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, what? I mean, thankfully, like I know I have like my like I have a my, I know my advisor. He's gonna help me a lot. He's also like the godfather of my child, so that kind of like oh, helps with the. Um, but still, these these are things we have to like additional challenges you gotta kind of think about as you're yeah. in the stock program and like figuring out like what time is your class? Is there daycare during that time? If not, do you have someone to take care of your child? Yeah. Um, I know. It's so hard to navigate. And then it's, yeah. I mean, we, when we were looking for childcare, we we had to find somewhere that was open from like 7.30 to, I mean, this was before the pandemic. We needed somewhere that was open from like basically 7.30 to 6, which sounds awful to have your kid in daycare that long. But when I worked, you know, in the city, so I... Yeah. I had to get on the first train out, like, well, not the first train, but I had to get out early and then I'd have to come back and like, sometimes the trains are late. So I need to make yeah. sure I have enough time to get my kid, but so hard to figure out, um, just, you know, without academia, but like add, add that challenge of being a student on top of that is just, just extra. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is, um, what would you say or suggest to moms that might have been are having a, a difficult time um, finding community, finding support. What do you kind of suggest for them? Oh, man, I think if you're having difficulty finding support or finding community, ask yourself, are you afraid to ask for help? Because I think, you know, I can't tell you for sure, but I think that might be part of your challenge is that you are not comfortable asking for help, which is fine. I am one of those people. I I hate asking for help, but know this, you can ask for help. It is okay. And there are other people that need help too. And if you're like, I just need a buddy to kind of figure this out. Someone will step up for you. The number of times I'm like, hey, uh, anyone need an accountability buddy? Like anyone want to just like work on this project with me? I always had a hand. Like there was always someone that's like, all right, I'm willing to be your your, your buddy this time. Mm-hmm. So so people are out there. People want to be friends with you. I know I have a trouble. I had trouble with this too, where I was like, nobody likes me. <laughs> I've, I've tricked them all. No one actually likes me. <laughs> um, but, but like people like you. People want to help you. And if you help people, they will, they'll be excited to be with you too. Like you're an awesome human. Don't forget that you're an awesome human who deserves love and support and kindness. And as long as you're giving that to the world, you're going to get it back. That's my advice. I love that. What about you? Keep trying. I think sometimes we don't know who might be the right person for for whatever need that needs to be met, right? And so keep trying. Try trial and error is the best friend at this point for me. Um, figuring out like what works, what doesn't work. And it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. I think this is like we kind of talked about before. PhD is a marathon. So trying to finish the, uh, the like the finish line, it might look and it may, it may take some time to kind of figure out like where we're going or like, what does that look like for us? So just, just keep trying, keep being kind to yourself and just try and 
see what works for you for some people and and like ask for suggestions like I was like I love like talking to you because it gives me a different framework to think about or like even having like um our mom last week and and mm-hmm. just figuring out I, I love that piece where she she talked to her her priest and I was like oh lo- love that love that we yeah. need to find different areas to fill us and to ask support um and and be and be vocal about it asking help is not uh, a weakness it's a strength and we're able to get that support so that we're not like drowning and um but yeah i think it's um finding someone to to kind of just just hold you through this process we're not doing this by ourselves it takes a community so just find your community that kind of helps you along the way and it might shift from time to time so Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think your community is out there, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you're ever feeling isolated, there is someone in the world for you. There's a um, my when my husband and I met, one of my uh, one of our well, his friends said to me, "You know, they say there's a lid for every teapot, but like looking at the two of you together, there's a lid for every teapot." Like. You know, I they're like, I don't know how they were going to find the octagonal shape. He was ever going to find the octagonal shape lid to his teapot. But like, here you are. So there there is a community for you that it exists. You know, where we met through this uh, Dr. Obama's Facebook group. And there are like n- several of those groups. Right. Like there's our group. And then there's like at least two or three different other groups um, for those communities. And it, <laughs> And like, just find the ones that feel good and right for you. And if, if you know, like you said, if, if it doesn't feel right, it's okay to be like, ah, this didn't work out. That's fine. Try it again. Try it again. Give it at least two to three times yeah. before you say, yeah. never mind. Um, <laughs> so what I know we've, I know it's been a week for me for sure. Yeah. It's, only, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> it's only Tuesday. But I, do you have any academic or any hoorays at this point, honestly, <laughs> even personal no. hoorays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so hard. Cause I, I mean, for me, I'm just, I'm working on that conference presentation still. So I, okay. I like landed an agenda. For, I mean, I had kind of a rough agenda, but like, I feel like I have a good flow. And so tomorrow I'm going to do it for my um, coworkers to make sure that it like makes sense. Um, but so that's just, that's what I'm working on. Okay. Um, yeah. What about for you? What's your academic, any, any movement academically? It's okay. No, I don't have any hurries this week. Honestly, it's more of a, the opposite of a hurry. It's more of a challenge. It's really figuring out how to be more strategic about setting time to write for my dissertation, or you just even, even set time to think about my dissertation. So um, that's my challenge. I know, I know when you talked about it, I was like, oh, I forgot about that one tool she told me about last week. And so, yeah, got to reintegrate that. So, you know, the other, do you like schedule time? I try to. Do you you have a planner or calendar that you use? I do. Yeah. Every, every Sunday, just like put that time in your calendar. There will be days where you're like, I had this time in my calendar and I cannot do it. So like make, that's the day that you're like, all right, 15 minutes today and then I'm done. Okay. But like, but that can be really, that's helpful for a lot of people is just being like, all right, I'm, it's in my calendar. So I have to do it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do this after our call today. So I'm going to try that 15 minutes. So what's, what's Nick's up to? Oh, uh, well, Nix is 
is a delight. Uh, Meeks is learning how to tell jokes. Oh, so we okay. were watching the, the Muppet Babies. And so uh, mm-hmm. she kept saying like, waka waka, which was really funny. And because of Fozzie Bear. Um, but she was like, mom, the chicken crossed the road. Waka waka. <laughs> I was like, You're on your way to, to being a comedian. So yeah. she's my little comedian. Oh, um, but it's really funny for like three and a half year olds to tell jokes. I, that's, I don't that's think adorable. I realize that. Till now. <laughs> what gotta, about you? You got to record it. What about your um, one? Oh, he, so this weekend it snowed a lot in Connecticut. Not a lot, but it was enough snow to go sledding. Oh, fun. Yeah. So there was like, there's a little, like, there's a, uh, like this one college, like, like across the street, they have like a hill. And so I was like, you know what? It's like, let's get the baby like in his uh, winter clothes. And uh, we went down the slide and he, we only did it for four times, but he, he, he enjoyed it from what it looked like. I, I don't know. If he mm-hmm. understood the dynamics, but it was really funny because my, that was my first time um, for my husband to go down sledding. So just seeing oh, them too. Yeah. I was like, Look. that's really fun. Yeah. He was just having a blast and I'm like, he was like, Oh my God, I've never done this. And I'm like, I had to remember you're from Cali. I'm from Wisconsin. I did this during my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's really that's really fun yeah yeah Meeks so. loves loves sledding it's like oh it's so fun so that he'll he'll grow up and then he'll like eventually he'll take the sled up for himself it'll be it'll be really nice yeah that that part because oh it was we just went it's a small hill and just going up that's and down I, I was just recording this i was like this is so mm-hmm. cute and adorable um so we'll see we'll see how like as he grows, I'm sure he'll he'll enjoy going to the to the hills and once it snows we'll have a good snow day and make hot chocolate. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to our episode today. Uh we'll see you next time. Yep. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.